This is The Like Minded, a podcast that allows you to relax and explore the sands of the human mind. Each week we invite a sans expert onto the show and answer our curiosity about increasingly cognitive-based technological world. The technological singularity is this hypothetical point at which there is a merging of human and machine. While it might sound like a science fiction concept, it's slowly emerging as a science reality. But in recent years, there are advancements in biotech that goes beyond simple medical use. As we understand more about the connection between human, machines and artificial intelligence, joining us today, we have Daniel Cheng, the president of the Cognitive Science Student Society at SFU. Hey, how's it going? Hey man, do you believe that there is inevitable that we will become cyborgs? That one day, humans and machines merge together, is that what you mean? Uh, what, what's the difference? There is a point in time in the near future, actually, uh, everything is happening at an exponential rate, as we're seeing with recent news, with the COVID-19 epidemic. Uh-huh. Technology, in the same way, will rise in such grandiose scales. So uh, there will be a point along that trajectory that we will become humans. Think about like today, we have cell phones in our pockets, what are they really? They're really augmented and are actually part of us each and every day. Can you imagine, Jack, losing your wallet being more scary than losing your cell phone nowadays? Yes, because we, we have like credit cards and uh, informations, personal informations in our, in our phones. Exactly. So we're pretty much already cyborg. Doesn't that sound kind of like that already? Except the device outside of our body. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, it's like coming back to our technological singularity. It's just a matter of time uh, when these technologies become part of our bodies and not just a part of our bodies. We were just talking about uh, knew our link before the start of the show. Right, right, right. And for listeners um, who have not heard of our new link, it was proposed by Elon Musk in the middle of 2019 as a brain machine interface company. But its device consists of uh, implanting thousands of microscopic electrodes into the brain, acting as a sensor to detect brain waves and detect our consciousness. Uh, Daniel, what is consciousness how can we uh, possibly detect consciousness you know jack that's a great question and it's often a question that's overlooked by a lot of us these days um, do we mean that by consciousness like we're aware or do we mean we're awake well, if we go back to philosophy, where the origins of the word come from, conscious or consciousness or to be conscious is the, the, the feeling of 
um, existing as a subjective self in this physical world. So, so the subjective self of like who I identify as myself, or oftentimes people like to call it the ego, but I'll just call it the subjective self. And that subjectiveness or the experience to be a human is consciousness. I hope that makes some sense. And um, is it possible to detect consciousness? Well, if we look into the literature of consciousness research, there are a lot of theories that go from bottom up or top down approaches. Meaning, how do we uh, understand cognition, um, which is a huge part of consciousness, from either the starting point of uh, axioms, principles, and build our way up to what we call consciousness or the subjective self, or the other way around, right? We can go top down, as in, how do we observe? the waves, for example, that are being emitted from, from the brain um, or to, to, the, to the neuroanatomical level, to, to, the, to the chemical level, all the way down to its axiom. So that is a top-down versus bottom approach. And so, so we're, we're asking, how do we detect them? I believe it's beyond that. It's, it's much more difficult in the scientific community than, than it suggests. Right. So, yeah, that's that's what I think so far. Fascinating. So what you're saying is this this neural link can connect our consciousness consciousness to the Internet. Well, yeah, sorry, Jack, I forgot to mention that there is um, a brain to machine interface created by by Neuralink, as, as you just gave debrief and what that is is uh, kind of a, a little door into how we can understand consciousness better. You can imagine it as a scientific tool to peer open into our inner consciousness. And what this is, is a, uh, a, a thousands of strands of electrodes, good, um, that are cut through incision and implanted and we have a little like, external chip that comes out of it. And according to Neuralink's conference, and, and this is what they promise, is that by having these electrodes, um, we're able to understand the wavelengths at its different uh, components. So for those of you who are more mathematically inclined, um, we use something called Fourier transform to break down those signals into uh, computer-readable language discretization. And, and we run some pretty cool code behind the back to give us a better understanding of, of how brain responses react with this device. And um, of course, there are ethical reasons involved uh, that we, we won't get into right now, but but uh, yes, in long, long, long story short, if we're able to connect those electrodes onto a computer chip, there is a way, just like our phone, 
to connect to our world wide web or the internet. Um, it's just a matter of understanding what those waves mean and translating those behavioral signals, hopefully without much noise, um, into essentially code that would run simultaneous with our consciousness. So, so Neuralink really does claim we're able to read 10 times faster than if we were to normally go about our days. So, so that means we're going to increase our bandwidth of understanding information. So if you imagine going through the entire encyclopedia in just one sitting, I probably won't do it, but there's there's probably people who will if this becomes available. So so there's a lot of other questions that, that go into development. Uh, experiments in rats have shown Neuralink to produce an increased rate of data transfer from uh, the, the brain to sensor when compared to a traditional method. Uh, Elon Musk had uh, announced a plan to conduct human testing in 2020 and suggest that the people of the public would eventually elect to become uh, so-called cybernetically enhanced. What do you think about that? Yeah, so... Um, if You know, the word cybernetically enhanced has some science kind of connotation behind it um, but of course this is some ethical question that I don't want to say out of my scope of knowledge um, because that's erring on scientism but what I can say about uh, this so far is uh, There are pro. There are definitely huge pros and cons to, to, to each end. For example, if, if this does become live, uh, for example, which demographics will be at in an advantage? Would would only the rich be able to get this technology, mm-hmm. or or rather, if we go to the opposite side, right, the poor? If all the poor people had it, would that be the solution? Um, of course, I can't answer these uh, right now. All I can say is it's all speculative until it happens. Yeah. Does that mean that Neuralink can enable amputee patients to regain some mobility? Yeah, so with amputees, um, there's already some pretty cool biotech engineering going on. Uh, such as neuroprosthetics, um, the ability to control your limbs, uh, that is your, your electronic limbs or bionic arms, just with your brain waves. So there are already evidence of um, using brain waves to control different parts of our body that aren't even there even um, and there are experiments such as the phantom limb experiment that shows you if I simultaneously so, so for example the experiment, the experiment goes like this if I, if I have two 
hand, uh, placed on a table, and that is your hand, and a cardboard box on uh, right, right in between the two hands. And and I tell you, hey, can you take away one hand? And you do. Mm-hmm. And and in place on top of the table where you put put away your your hand is a rubber hand. And uh, that's laying flat, just exactly like your right hand. And and I, and I ask you, can you look to your right hand now? Let's say you took away your left hand, right? And so the left side is the phantom limb. And what I will do as the experimenter, I will have two brushes um, stroking uh, first your right hand to give you the sense of sensation that, okay, my right arm feels like a normal right arm. And what I will do on the, the left hand side is to have another brush and stroke it the same way I do on the right hand. And your brain should trick you that you actually have your left hand being stroked like stroke uh, because you see the phantom in your peripheral. And um, <laughs> there are a lot of funny videos, but uh, if I suddenly get out a knife and start stabbing the phantom limb on your left hand, you will also suddenly prepare yourself to feel that pain on your right hand as well. Mm. So, yes, um, Neuralink will impact the, the, the neuroprosthetic industry immensely. Imagine controlling multiple arms at once. Now, this is kind of sounding like sci- sci-fi, but no, it's, it's reality. So that's the future we're living in right now. A student in SFU is curious of our discussion. Hannah asks, Neuralink has many potential in helping people with disabilities. How can patients with mental disorder benefit through Neuralink? Yeah, so with mental disabilities, uh, that's a hard one. Um, I think one of the biggest mental disabilities uh, we might often ask ourselves with is depression. Um, an interesting finding is is that, um, or even a question, an overarching question about how our society is today with regards to depression, it seems as though that there is a correlation, not causation, okay, but speculative, right? Uh, correlation between um, first world countries who are wealthy and use uh, technology and with depression and anxiety in social media. So rich nations have a very high percentage of these really, really depressed and mentally ill people. Uh, no, and, and I'm not um, trying to stigmatize it. This is a very serious situation. Right, right. right. Um, but what, what we can uh, guess, I guess, from Neuralink is for the case of ADHD students, they will no longer have attention loss. Um, it might improve, I guess, attention span if we were able to have this technology right now. I think that would be a great guess. 
but of course, I I, I would not know for certain. Uh, until the technology comes, then we'll have a better understanding. And thank you, thank you, Hannah, for that question. That that was really interesting. Yeah, thanks, Hannah, for the question. We are very lucky to have Daniel as a guest today. That's all for our podcast today. Stay tuned for next week's podcast, where we will discuss on the method behind MRI scanning.